What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Triple H Podcast. Happy Hour Hoops. Today, we are going to be previewing the Pacific Division in the Western Conference here. Um, before we get into it, guys, obviously, Donnie, Jake, Stevie, as always now, the big three in Happy Hour Hoops, we are here. Guys, let's start off with a little bit of news here. Exciting, a player we've talked about, uh, a player that Stevie went out and made a hot take about two weeks ago, last week, somewhat recently. We've been talking about R.J. Barrett signs his extension with the New York Knicks, four years, $120 million. What was your guys' first take on this? Um, I I think it's well-deserved, maybe. You know, he hasn't put up that type of money numbers right now. But you know how much I love R.J. Barrett. I think he's got a really, really high ceiling. I did laugh at something someone quote tweeted, and they're like, Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett, uh, Julius Randle, this is the biggest mid-three I've ever seen. Yeah, I think that's a little unfair to R.J. Barrett. I think he does have a ton of potential. I loved him coming out of Duke. I think now this is going to be the year. I think this is the first time in his career he's going to be the guy for the Knicks. I think he is going to be their primary scorer, their, the guy they give the ball to. Because now he got paid, he's got to prove that he's worth superstar type of money. But you know how much I love him. I think he's got super high potential. I think we're going to see a career year coming for RJ. I, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big RJ proponent. You know that, Donnie. I think you know that too, Stevie. So it was great yeah. to see him get paid. The thing about it is everybody's, you know, questioning if it's still, you know, he's going to be a trade piece and everything else, whatever. But he has that poison pill in there, which I don't know what that exactly is. But I know there's a thing in his contract that if he gets trade, it's like a kicker back to that team um, of something of cap wise and everything else. And there's only been one player traded with the poison pill since it's been implemented. It was Darren Williams in 2008. So very unlikely that he's to get moved. I mean, you're paying to do $30 million a year. If you're willing to give that to him anyways, I think that that they're anointing him as maybe the franchise guy. Maybe there's still a yeah. trade in the works for Donovan Mitchell. But I think that they're, that was them being like, this guy is one of the building blocks that we want to go with. And I think it's well-deserved. I think we haven't seen the best of R.J. Barrett even close to it yet, what he can come to right. with his potential. Yeah, I don't think we've seen the best either. And that's basically the last thing I was going to say here, Jake, is, yeah, everyone, you know, we finally get the extension for R.J. Barrett. Uh, it's also something interesting before I make my point here. R.J. Barrett, um, Jalen Brunson, and Julius Randle are the three biggest contracts in next history, which is it makes sense just because of the era we're in and everyone's getting big money now, but it is crazy to like, just say those words out loud that the history of the New York Knicks, you know, some of the guys who have played for this team over right. the years. And now these three guys who are considered a mid three uh, in NBA Twitter <laughs> are the three highest paid players. Kind of crazy. But what I was getting to is, you know, we, we can't just have the nice thing that RJ got his contract extension. Of course, Donovan Mitchell still gets brought up right after um, you know, which obviously it's true. He still could get traded. Um, it's not out of the question yet. But then the next piece of news here, Donovan Mitchell today removes Utah Jazz guard from his Twitter bio. Um, so so pretty interesting. I guess, you know, even with RJ signing this extension, we should still, 
you know, keep an eye on this Mitchell to the Knicks deal or Mitchell moving anywhere um, else other than the Utah Jazz because apparently he doesn't consider himself a Utah Jazz guard anymore. So, uh, yeah, I think I think we're good to get into the Pacific Division unless you guys had anything else here to, to touch on in the news. No, the Mitchell, the Mitchell thing is very interesting because – like it's just the timing of it and everything else. It feels like he might, maybe he heard something like this is, mm-hmm. or maybe it's a precursor to what's coming and everything else. Like, and it's just minutia at this point. So yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I was just going to say too, everything's so cryptic now with these guys on social media, because especially NBA, they're the most like vocal on there in social media of any of the sports. They'll say whatever, they'll post whatever. And it's partly our fault because we buy into it every time because we love it. <laughs> We're like, As oh, we what's this mean? But, um, I don't, I, I don't think too much of those things anymore. You remove the Utah Jazz when he gets traded is when I'll believe it. For now, he's still well, when Ky- once Kyler Murray unfollowed literally everybody from the Cardinals organization <laughs> and ended up back there. Yeah, that was I lost a little bit of it after that. Point. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, but yeah, let's get into it then. Starting with the Phoenix Suns here, right? Yeah, let's no. do it. Let's, yeah, we're going the uh, descending order here. We'll, and they're they're not the champions, but they were. We thought they were going to be going into the year or going yes, into the playoffs last year. And then they ran into that guy right there, <laughs> Luca. <laughs> yes, the the Phoenix Suns, who had the best record in the NBA last year, sixty four and eighteen, lost in the second round to the Dallas Mavericks. And Luca, as Stevie just so smartly pointed out there. His guy Luca took them down in quite quite the unique fashion, I'll say. I'll, I'll put I'll put it lightly for the Phoenix Suns fans because it was ugly. Um, you know, what what a a great uh historic and exciting season for the Phoenix Suns just to have it end that way in the playoffs. But yeah, I mean, like I said, they had the best record in the league. The the win total next year is set for 53 and a half wins. It looks like we all have, you know, similar things in mind here. I'm I'm smashing that under. It's crazy because it's, you know, nearly 11 games below the the threshold they hit last year. And their team isn't really all that different. But just the things that have transpired this offseason, the way they ended down the stretch there, CP3 is another year older. I think there's I think it's time for some regression for this Phoenix Suns group. Um and, and I I am at a point where I'm questioning the chemistry of the Suns just a tad. I'm gonna give you guys I'm gonna give you guys my question here as we go into it because it relates to the reason that I'm way out on the on the Phoenix Suns going into this year and under their win total. First of all, I mean this this division in the West I think is going to be a little better than last year and just at, especially at the top. I don't think winning 60 games is realistic for this team. Yeah, but I don't trust uh, Chris Paul to eventually it's going to fall off fall off the face of the earth with every small guard it does um and that's what i'm worried about with this team that's why i couldn't i can't pick them to win over 50 games again maybe i should have more faith in devin booker and this isn't uh a thing against devin booker i love him i think that he is you know can carry a championship level team and be the best player on that team but i don't know if chris paul can be that running mate anymore with just the advanced age like we've what he's doing is already unprecedented so i don't know if he can keep it up uh, what do you think, though, Steve? 
I mean, I think last year is kind of where we saw the Suns peak, and I think we talked about it. That was probably their best chance to win a championship, and it feels weird because Devin Booker's pretty much entering his prime. DeAndre just got super a ton of money, I think $133 million, and they need him to step up. But Chris Paul has been the heart and soul of that team, and he is probably going to be on the decline unless he starts hanging out with Tom Brady and step through the fountain of youth with him. Chris Paul's going to go down a little bit. And like you said, Jake, for those smaller point guards, it is a lot harder. And we're seeing that in the NBA, especially now, a lot of these point guards are no longer your six foot six, two, you know, small playmaking guards. These are some big, tough dudes that are about six, five, six, six, which it's just going to be hard physically for Chris Paul and I think that's why I'm also on the under the 53 and a half this year. I think everything went right for the Suns last year. We're going to talk about it a lot this offseason. The West is going to be so much better than it was last year for a lot of teams. A lot of teams are getting healthy. There's a lot of stars coming back. They add, there's some teams that added key pieces they needed. And the Suns just kind of stayed with the same team. There were a little bit of KD rumors here and there, but they were, they were never really too seriously interested. And sometimes you, you just can't just stay put and expect to have a 64-win season again. Chris Paul had, you know, some really good moments at the end of last year. He made a lot of clutch shots, but I don't know. I am uh, I think everything went right for the Suns last year. And when that happens with the team, I you almost have to think it's going to regress towards the mean. And that's kind of how I expect this year to go. Where Chris Paul is going to come back down to earth a little bit. Where the Suns, they're not going to have that stingy defense in the fourth quarter where they just go on like a 30 to 10 run. And next thing you know, they blow the teams out of the water. I think we're going to see the Suns have to be in a lot more close competitive games. And if that's the case someone besides Devin Booker is going to have to make those late shots because he's going to get focused on by defenses. Definitely. Yeah, and uh, I'm just going to go here with my burning question because it. It, it, it really ties everything that you guys kind of just said together. Um, and, and it basically is, you know, and it has to do with the, the win total here. My question for you guys is like, what what does the future of the Phoenix Suns even look like? Because – you know, to me, when they brought in CP and I and I kind of saw the core of Devin Booker, CP, Aiton, and then, you know, guys like Cam Johnson, who are big contributors to this team, I was like, okay, well, you know, the Phoenix Suns are going to compete for probably for a while in this Western Conference. You know, I just thought they'd figure out the CP thing, you know, his replacement down the road. But here we are, you know, they missed the playoffs for whatever, eight, nine years, whatever it was before CP got there. Then they make the playoffs and they go to the finals um and or you know you know they're right there and where are we with this team my, my question to you guys is it was that the window like has has the phoenix suns devin booker cp3 deandre ayton that core like did, did the window already pass right before our eyes um and yeah and where do we go from here i think the window will be open with booker but i think once cp once CP's contract is off the books, I think they go star hunting right away again. I think that's a very, I think that's a place that stars will want to go to in Phoenix. Um, just, you know, good weather. It's out West, close to LA, all that good stuff that everybody talks about all the time, but also getting to play with a guy like Devin Booker yeah. will be enticing to everybody. And that contract off the book, they'll have a slot. And I don't know who that guy's going to be in a couple of years or whenever that is. But that's my next – that's what I think they would do right away. The only thing that worries me about that is their owner has been, you know, 
he hasn't wanted to spend money a lot. This year is the first year he's really spending into the tax to keep DeAndre Ayton. But I wonder if that's because they're anticipating Paul coming off the books and then they're not going to do something like that. So that's what worries me. But that would be my move, at least, is go star hunting right again and try to, you know, like you said, keep smash that window open as long as it can be. Oh, yeah, and that's the thing. I don't even think it's exactly like a window, Dunny. I almost kind of think the Suns championship windows, or say, it's almost like an ascent, right? They're getting up to the hill. I think they reached the peak last year, and they're slowly going to go down a little bit. But you can kind of slow that down if they make a big move. It's not like the Suns have completely fallen off the face of the earth. We still think they're going to be a very good basketball team. A 52-win team is still a good basketball team, and that would still be the under. But my, my big thing with the Phoenix Suns is I feel like it's just kind of the same team as last year. I didn't really expect them to bring DeAndre Ayton back. And that kind of gets me into my burning question for you guys is they paid DeAndre Ayton big time money. Four years, $133 million. They paid him first overall pick, big man we can have, not maybe focus our offense on, but who can be a key part of this team going forward type of money. And he's been all right. His He had a, probably his best stretch of his career the second half of last year. He averaged around 19 points, 11 rebounds a game, and he was finally starting to make some of those mid-range shots. But if the Suns want to stay competitive, because we know Chris Paul's getting older, his game's slowly going down, DeAndre Ayton has to go the opposite way. So I guess I asked you guys, and this is where I'm kind of on the no side of it, do we think Ayton can make that step this year where he could become a big who averages 20 to 25 a game, who can average 12 to 13 rebounds a game, and who can match up with some of the other elite bigs in the league? Because the Suns clearly paid him that kind of money to keep him they probably have those expectations in the next coming years for Aiton, and I don't know if he's ever going to get there. Yeah, I think I, I think he's capable. You know, if if that's what we're boiling down to, I think he's capable of making that next step. Do I think that will come? I have no idea. I, I you know, I think as much as I love Aiton the player, and I think that he should have got paid. Um, I, I think I do think you know his his talent, his skill set. And what he's done for this team already, he's deserving of the money he got. But there was that, you know, that run in the playoffs or that playoff game where he supposedly refused to check back into the ball game. There, you know, uh, some of the older veterans who have been out of the league for a while, big men who praise DeAndre Ayton for how good he is on the low block and, you know, how talented of a rebounder he is. They question his motivation just from watching on the outside. And then, why was there this stall or hold up with the organization to pay DeAndre A? And obviously they're seeing something that hasn't been expressed, you know, to the media, the fans or what have you. I think he's capable talent wise of making that leap. I just don't know how highly motivated DeAndre is. And I'm not saying, you know, I, I have no idea. I'm, I'm not behind the closed doors. I just think obviously there's something else there you know, that we don't know about. I think he's talented enough. I don't know necessarily if we will see it, though. I don't think he's ever going to be like an all-NBA level guy, and I think that's what you would want out of the first overall right. pick if you're imagining it. I think he'll be above average his whole career, and maybe I think he'll be a good third. He could still be a good third piece in, like, in the role he's in right now for a championship team. But, yeah, I don't see that. That's the offensive upside as much for me as anything, like creating on your own. How many bigs do we see now that can just create 
you know, on their own and make plays happen on their own. We're seeing it. Obviously, Jokic is the biggest example. Right. Even a guy like I'm going to hype him up, but it's not just because it's not homerism. Like Evan Mobley is a guy that can create on his own. Yeah. too. Like that's like the mold of what you'd want to look for. If you're comparing like him and Aiton, the offensive upside is definitely higher on a guy like Mobley. I don't know if he has that. Maybe he does because he does have I mean, he's a crazy athlete. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but I don't know if he's going to have the ball skills and everything else to do that. And that's what worries me about it. Defensively, he's always going to be a force, though. Right. And that's why he's going to have value. He has a super similar skill set to Joel Embiid, but like you said, just does not, he doesn't have that create for himself factor. And sure, yeah, it's, it's something that he can develop, I'm sure. But it's crazy when you look at how easy the game comes to him sometimes and then how out of a game he can i mean he literally didn't check back into a game before like you don't guys that talented and you know number one overall picks and guys who land contracts like this you don't see that in the nba so right. you know definitely some question marks around this phoenix suns definitely some question marks around deandre Ayton. yeah and so i like, think that's why we're all on the under right yeah i think that's exactly. why we're all on the under because there's just question marks around two of their key players chris paul and deandre Ayton. yeah you can't really be a 54 plus one team when you have question marks on the stars like and that as, as we get to the rest of the division too i think that we're going to see where the yeah. overs come in and where the competition will come my question to you is about chris paul do we ever see him on an all nba level again no no, I don't think he can sustain it for a whole year. Yeah. He'll have spurts. He'll have like weak spurts where we're like, that's Chris Paul. Like he's been fantastic. But yeah, I, I think it's more of a testament to the other point guards across the league that would keep him out of that spot opposed yeah. to him. I mean, you just look at like Steph is going to outperform him this year. Ja did last year. Like, I just think there's a combination of guys close to CP's age and then the youngsters that will just kind of keep him out of that, you know, all NBA discussion. That's where I'm at, too. And I think that, that they need him to do that, to, to mm -hmm. be where they're at. All right, let's go to the Golden State Warriors, the NBA champion. Sorry, Dunny. Um, the over-under, right. they were 53-29 and 29 last year. That over-under is right there at 52-and-a-half. So where do you guys have them? I have Pains them over. Me. I'm going over, yeah. I have them what, over do, what do you think it is, though? What do you What do you think the record is, then? I don't I think, think it's going to be crazy over. High 50s, I think okay. is fair. Yeah, I was I was going to say right around 60 wins, I think, honestly. Do you think that they'll, they'll be the first place team in the West? Mm. or is that spoiling our later teams yeah i don't, I don't think so i don't <laughs> think they'll be first which okay. is i guess crazy to say that i think they'll win close to 60 yeah. games and not, <laughs> and not be first yeah maybe maybe it should change my tune a little bit yeah close closer to mid yeah. mid to high 50s like steve okay. said I, I think they'll be close if they're not one they're two or three they're not going to be any lower than i'd say the three seed I'll start with my burning question here for you guys. Then it, ha it relates to Draymond Green. And obviously there was a lot of discourse around Draymond last year, um, losing the ath athleticism, the offensive ability, really not there anymore. It, it is kind of in the same vein of Chris Paul. It's not all NBAs or anything else. But if there is a drastic this year is the year it falls off the wagon for Draymond. He's making all this money and everything. Do you think that they can... Do you think that this team is still a championship level contender if he doesn't play, if he can't play defense with the athleticism that he has or the ability that he's been able to do in the past? Can he still make it work just because of that? 
chemistry with Steph and everything that they they're you know in sync always offensively and everything else. Stevie, I'll let you take this one first. Um, I think so. And the main thing for me is when you win four championships with the same core, you're going to have that chemistry. They're going to be Draymond is not a guy that the Warriors will give up on, even if he is struggling immensely. They're going to still give him his minutes. They're going to still let him play. And the Warriors team this year, and it was kind of similar last year, too. And now this year, even more so because guys are getting healthy. It's deeper than their previous championship teams, in my mind. So if Draymond doesn't have to play his usual run, maybe has to play a little less minutes, rest him in the regular season a little bit, get him ready for the playoffs, I think that's something the Warriors are more than capable of doing and more than willing doing. And I think for Draymond's perspective, and we've seen for the type of player he is, he just wants to win. He does not care about putting up the numbers. He doesn't care about scoring. You see Draymond. He's, he, he'll pass the ball at any given opportunity. So Draymond Green, even if he's not, you know, the all-world class defenseman, if they can just let him, you know, maybe not go all out in the regular season, limit his minutes a little bit, and just get him ready for the playoffs, I think that's the way to you know, handle the situation. And I think that's also something that Draymond would just buy into. He's not going to give up on this team. He's won four championships with him. He loves Steph. He loves Clay. And when you win together, you know, you bond together. The chemistry has just been, was an all-time high last year. You could tell when Curry won that championship how much it meant to him that they were able to, you know, come back after a couple injury seasons and come back together with that same core they won the first three with and win again. So I'm not too worried about Draymond. More, I'd be more worried about Chris Paul than Draymond because, you know, the Suns haven't won. There could be question marks. With Draymond, the Warriors have won. If they're like, hey, we need to rest you for a little bit, I think he's fine with it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think even if there is more aggression for Draymond Green, I hate to say it. I, th I think I agree with Stevie, though. Like, I – I think last year was honestly as drastic of a drop off as we're yeah. going to see in his career. Honestly, I think there will be probably regression from here on out for Dr Draymond Green. I think last year was pretty eye opening to a lot of NBA yeah. fans. And honestly, again, I hate you know I hate to pr uh, praise the team that beat the Celtics here, but it's honestly more impressive. I think that the, the Warriors were able to do what they did. And seeing Draymond Green drop off, I mean, it was evident earlier in the season that Draymond had lost a step. Um, even his passing skills, which he's been, you know, so good at his whole career. You know, he was just making some boneheaded mistakes that, you know, got guys across the Warriors roster we never really saw make, let alone Draymond Green. Um, I think defensively, you know, if you if you lose a step offensively, you lose a step defensively. I mean, it's it's so hard to guard in this league as is. Um, you're you're an older forward who was never really a crazy athlete before. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we we see regression with Draymond Green. I think we'll see more this year. I just um, I don't think it will matter all that much as long as Clay and Steph are playing like they do. As long as Steve Kerr has the same mindset um and plan in place and you know they keep they keep developing these guys that you know we've never really heard of before and then they come in and, and shock the world when they need to for the warriors so i i think golden state just as long as they have the system this core uh the chemistry stays intact i, I think they're good you know 
does that mean I think they're going to win a championship again? Who knows? But I think, you know, like Stevie said, they'll still be right around the top of the West. Wait, all right, you, I need either. What's which one of you wants to go with your question here? I mean, mine is kind of it kind of goes along the lines with Draymond because if Draymond, you know, isn't the guy, I think someone who could step up, someone who missed all of last year, limited in his rookie year, they invested high draft capital in this guy, James Wiseman. James Wiseman, I he was a highly touted prospect. He was a highlight reel out of high school, a high recruit to Memphis. He was going to be a superstar, and that's offensively and defensively. We talk about bigs who can create their own shot. James Wiseman is the definition of that in terms of how he was scouted. James Wiseman can create his own shot. He's a great rim protector. And this is a championship Warriors team that has potential to get this guy back who kind of fills that perfect role for them. Nothing against Kevin Looney. I think he impressed me a lot this year in terms of how he improved, how he was on the glass. But he was an offensive liability, and he's not as athletic as James Wiseman. We always see with the Warriors, and Dunny brought up a great point, they are so good at developing the guys they draft. And we saw a late bloom with Jordan Poole last year where he went from a guy coming off the bench who can give you, you know, 10 to 12 points to another, you know, I'm not going to call him a superstar, but another star that could come off the bench that if they need to rest Curry or Clay, they could rely on Poole to carry the offense. I want your guys' expectations for James Wiseman this year because, as you know, I'm a huge college basketball fan. I love James Wiseman. I think he was a perfect fit for this team. I know Biggs dealing with injuries is always a red flag. It's a warning sign. But if there's any team that could get him right and get him in that you know third-year breakout, it would be this Warriors team. And that's terrifying because I think that fills the hole perfectly that they need. And it would also be the perfect complement to a regressing Draymond Green. So I want your guys' expectations for Wiseman. What do you expect? Maybe what's the floor? What's the ceiling level expectations for him this season? You know me so well because you knew the first thing I was going to mention was the knee injuries. But I think it's just the timing. I think the timing screwed him on those two because it was the COVID yes. year and everything else with the injuries. And we know how cautious the Warriors tend to be yes. with players and their injuries. We saw how they were with Steph um, a couple years ago and even early in his career with everything that he was dealing with. So I think that they were never going to rush him back. And then I, I honestly think he would have been – healthy enough or it could have made an impact in the playoffs or later in the season it was just like why why do it at this point like why why even put him in that position let's get him a ramp up let's get him used to the season let's get him acclimated when it's an actual season so i'm with you i, I think there's high hopes for this guy i think he hasn't played a lot of basketball so he's still so raw that there's like it's still just like the tantalizing talent that is there like you said it's the perfect perfect thing that they really need um on this roster at all if he can if he can get out there and stay on the floor so i i'm i want to be optimistic and say that he's going to be healthy and if he is going to be healthy everything that i, I think everything he, we said about Aiton that we want him to be james wiseman really actually could be like he yeah. like you said he fits that mold perfectly the dude just hasn't been on the court really at all like he got screwed in his senior year in memphis by the ncaa yeah. deciding to make a make an example out of him and chase young in the same day and and since then like it's just been it's just been a series of unfortunate events for him so i'm hoping that the luck turns and he's in the best situation for it for it yeah i, I i've you know kind of had high hopes on wiseman since 
the Warriors drafted him, and obviously it's it's been disappointing, and none of it's really been his fault because, you know, injuries suck. They're part of sports. Um, like you mentioned, Stevie, it's usually a really bad sign when, uh, you know, a, a big man in basketball has these lower body injuries early in his career. Um, but who knows? Um, and to, to answer your questions, you know, how you posed it, do, floor and ceiling here for for James Wiseman. I think, you know, his floor is he – or, you know, worst case for James Wiseman, he could miss the whole season again. I mean, who knows? He, he could, you know, get another injury. He could re-aggravate the, the same knee and miss a lot of time and either, you know, miss the entire season or just find himself out of the rotation at that point because they've made moves. You know, they still have Looney. They brought in Jermichael Green. Um, and we've seen these these Warriors play super small where they don't even need a guy Wiseman size. So I, I think that's worst case. But, you know, ceiling, best case, I, I think Wiseman in, in the this environment, in this offense, you know, learning from guys like Draymond Green and Looney um, yeah. and just playing next to Steph. I, I think he's a, a guy who can easily average 10-10 and then like two blocks, whether he's a starter or off the bench. I think that's a very realistic stat line, and I, I think honestly the ten and ten would come super easy to him just playing just playing alongside these legends. And I think the biggest thing for Wiseman too, the difference between him and Looney, him and Draymond, Wiseman can stretch the floor a little bit. You have yep. to guard him outside on the outside shot. It's not like you can just leave Looney and Draymond on the island and say, "Hey, I dare you to take that shot." If Wiseman's healthy. Imagine the Warriors with even more flip for floor space. That's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is. What's your question, Dunny? So my question here is, I, I guess it's kind of similar to Stevie's in the sense, um, you know, kind of just a young guy, not James Wiseman, though. I'm asking about Jonathan Kaminga. Basically, same type of deal, like what, what is the expectation for Kaminga? But I, I'll put a little twist on it here. Like, is it possible we see a Jordan Poole type season from Jonathan Kaminga this year? Like, are the Warriors just going to keep breaking out these young guys and just being like, okay, it's your turn? And like, we see Kaminga putting up crazy averages. Um, you know, I, I've I've watched some highlights of him playing in pro am games. Um, I even think I saw him play in, in a few overseas games this summer. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't really know what to expect from Kaminga. I had high hopes last year, and then he, he obviously wasn't really in the playoff rotation as much. Kind of a guy who came on strong at the end of the season, but then, you know, we didn't really see much from him in the playoffs. And, I mean, this is a guy who, you know, we talk about more regression from Draymond Green. I think he can take a lot of those minutes if they do, in fact, you know, elect to – rest Draymond throughout the regular season or if he gets banged up or if any of these guys miss time, I think Kaminga's a guy who can slide in. He's athletic enough. You know, he's he's being brought up the right way in this Warriors system here. So yeah, what what's the expectation for Kaminga? Is it possible he has a Jordan Poole type season where he kind of just explodes on the scene? I think the sky's the limit. I think this, he, maybe he's most improved a candidate. Like you were talking about Jordan Poole. Like I think that's all. Dude has all the physical tools in the world. Like we were talking about with Wiseman, which is the, it's how this team, you know, what finesse their way into two projects <laughs> like that while being the the biggest, the best dynasty of the generation is. It's another question for another day. 
but I think the dude has all the physical tools. I mean, and the little bit of trust that they gave him last year, he kind of ran with it. And I, I want to see him in an outsized role, but the, they've never had the athleticism. I guess Wiggins has that kind of athleticism at the wing position. <laughs> they've never had a guy like, like Kaminga that could really, if, if, if Kaminga turns out to what he could be, he's so raw still. And that's the beautiful thing about the situation that they're in is that it's the perfect place for a raw talent to go to, to where you want to learn how to play NBA basketball. I, I'm higher on Kaminga than I am a lot of guys going in, young guys going into this year. Cause I think that the breakout is not uh, if it's a when for him. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, disagree a little bit and it's nothing to question his talent or anything it's just the team he's on i don't think they need him to take a jordan pool type of jump he could just gradually you know get a little more minutes a little more exposure in the offense a little more usage and still be a very good player because the warriors have more depth than they've ever had and now that they're getting guys healthy kumenka should i mean he's going to be healthy he's going to have a larger role than he did last year but i don't think they need him to have that kind of leap jordan pool did kumenka can just be you know a solid bench contributor and i think the warriors would be more than happy with that maybe a couple more years down the road is when he'll have his big breakout but i don't think he'll be this year and it's nothing to do with his talent it's just because i don't think the warriors need it <laughs> yeah yeah no i i thought of that as well and it it does it, it it almost like sucks to a point when you think about all all the guys that the warriors have on this team <laughs> yeah especially with no regression pretty much at all from Steph. And then, you know, Clay, I don't even want to say that there's regression from him because uh, he was a little slow and stagnant coming back from injury, but, like, he still did his job, man. And yeah. it, it almost was like a regression. It was almost like a, an addition by subtraction. Like, Wiggins was playing so good, it was almost like no need for Thompson to play that well. We forget about Wiggins, who is really the Wiggins. reason that probably guys like Kamenga and Moody won't get chances on this team. Yeah. Uh, it's because of guys like Andrew Wiggins who stepped up and was like, no, this is my time. Like, You're going to have to wait like I did. Um, so, yeah, it, it it's definitely, I think, like you said, Stevie, I think Kamenga is capable. But, yeah, that's that's why I'm up in the air with it because I honestly mm -hmm. have no idea like where he's going on this team. I wouldn't be shocked if the Warriors only played him like 15, 20 minutes a night to start the year. I wouldn't be shocked at all. No, me neither. All right, we move. Yeah, we moving on. Yeah. Los Angeles Clippers. Crazy, you know, just once, like, having the Clippers roster in your head and then seeing the win total from last year, 42 and 40, lost in the play-in. The win total this year, though, because, you know, assuming guys are healthy, they bring in John Wall. They have arguably, I think, the best and strongest roster in the entire league. The over-under for this year is 52 and a half. And judging by the dock here, we are all smashing that over. Yeah. We, we hyped about the Clippers, boys, or what? Over. Over big time, and I'm – think that they're number one in the West win totals too. Me too. If if, as long as they're healthy. And I don't think there's any reason for them to not be. I, everybody's been like, I've seen a lot of talk on Twitter. Like, Oh, why is everybody, you know, why are we so high? We don't even know if Kawhi is healthy, all this stuff. It's like, bro, like what player takes two years of him at ACL? Like it, right it's on. been, it was a year. He took the year 
it would have been it would have been impressive to see him come back at any point. He we knew he was probably going to be cautious with it, the way he's always been with his injuries and everything else that happened in San Antonio. So yeah, I like you just said the roster. When you look at it on paper, it's the best and deepest in the league, but like without question. So, and Ty Lu is a top tier coach in the league too, and he obviously even without with the injuries and stuff they dealt with last year. I mean still we're in a position to make the playoffs so i i'm going i'm ripping that over huge time i think they could be the team with 64 wins this year honestly i i could see that too i'm in a complete agreement with you jake and the biggest thing for me with Kawhi leonard is he is such a good basketball player that just isn't appreciated enough when he's not playing uh, no one talks about Kawhi right now as oh a top five player in the league top 10 player in the league because they don't watch him play and then you watch Kawhi play for a week you're like oh yeah this is one of the best basketball players in the nba they're gonna see all the TikToks, all the instagram reels about people hyping up Kawhi. he is one of those guys that's just so underappreciated because he's not on the floor that much. But when he's on the floor, he is unbelievable, both offensively and defensively. I mean, and you're surrounding him with probably some of the best role players around a guy like Kawhi Leonard. I think the sky's the limit for the Clippers this year. The only thing that concerns me a little bit might be down low when we get to them facing a team that has an elite big. But other than that, man, they can play small, and I, I wouldn't even be shocked. You could play, what, Morris at the five? You have Kawhi, George. You got Wall, Powell. That team is – they got four or five guys that can score 20 points any night. It, it's it's going to be a really fun year for Clippers fans. Yeah, it really is. This, this is the re- they're the reason I had to walk back my Warriors getting close to 60 wins because I do think it's the Clippers if they can remain healthy. Um and yeah, you know, just reiterating everything you guys said, like it's it's exciting. You know, Kawhi, people doubting Kawhi at this point, I think it's pretty foolish. Everything I've seen of Kawhi, you know, working out this offseason and just still images of Kawhi. Like Kawhi is jacked right now. I don't I don't think we've ever seen a, a jacked Kawhi Leonard. I think, you know, the league already fears the robot that is Kawhi Leonard. And now he's huge and probably – I mean, not talent-wise, obviously. I mean, you you look at the dynasty that he was on um, with the – or he played with the guys who were on the Spurs dynasty at the back half of their career. Obviously, that talent-wise was the best team he's played on. But, I mean, I think you could argue that pound for pound, this is the best team that Kawhi's ever had around him. You know, just as far as shooting, uh, defense, depth, uh, he has – pretty much everything and then paul george just being his running mate is you know i've said it from when this duo came together i i I think they're top three duo if not the best duo in the league they're they're the they're the older more polished version of jason tatum and jalen brown and and they're just fantastic and yeah i i really do think that the clippers could shock the nba world this year and it really shouldn't be that shocking when you look at what they have up and down this roster. Nope, not at all. So I, I'll go with my first question here, and it has to do with Kawhi Leonard. I'm what what would you think about placing a nice little wager on NBA MVP for Kawhi Leonard this year? How how does how do you guys feel about that? I personally wouldn't and it hasn't really nothing to do Kawhi's not a huge stats guy I don't think Kawhi and also too with Kawhi I don't know if he'll play enough games for MVP because if the Clippers are in a position like we said 
they'll they'll sit him out a couple games here and there, and he'll be completely fine with it. They have enough enough depth if they say, hey, Kawhi, if you want to take off today, you know, you want to rest for tonight, we'll play someone else in the starting lineup. Like, they'll be fine with that. I think this Clippers team is stacked. They're loaded, so they don't have to. For Kawhi to win MVP, I like the MVP more with a guy that really everything has to go through him. Like you've seen with Jokic the past two years. Part of the reason he won MVP is he's incredible, but also his usage rate is through the charts. It's record-breaking. I don't think Kawhi will really have enough opportunities, I guess, for to get those MVP-type stats. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a similar boat to Stevie. Like, I, I guess I wouldn't be all that shocked if he did end up winning uh, the trophy at the end of the season, but my thing is more scoring. I think I think a lot of what's gone into the NBA MVP more recently in recent years is, you know, who who's dominating, who's the best player on their team, who's making their team win, but also doing it while averaging nearly thirty points per game. I don't think Kawhi is going to be even close to that mark. I think he's going to be a guy who's going to get his teammates involved. He's going to have the assists. He's going to have the steals and blocks like he always does. He's going to have the rebounds. I think those will all be good numbers, and his scoring will be great too, but I think it will probably be just over 20 points per game, 22 to 24 range, just because, Stevie, you mentioned they have so many guys who can go for 20, 30 points a game on this roster. I mean, and not, not that they're – big names that I think one everyone even knows or everyone even thinks of them scoring 20 but I think a few that you you left out too even like Terrence Mann Marcus Morris those guys are both <laughs> super capable scorers as well and they're they're like the ninth and tenth man on this team um I just think there's a lot of scoring to go around and I think there's going to be a lot of guys in the league this year outside of Kawhi who will average 28 29 30 points I mean Joel did it last year. Trey Young's always around that mark. I think Tatum's been climbing every year in points. He's probably going to be around 30 points per game. Um, a guy like Kevin Durant, uh, Steph Curry. I, I think those guys, Luka Doncic, obviously. Um, I, I think that's going to be the biggest discrepancy to take Kawhi out of the conversation. Yeah, I'll go with go my – with my question here it's it's a little bit of a weird one i guess it, it's really opinion based but you know we talk about af individual athletes who always who have something to prove um you know they they're across every sport they happen every season it's usually you know towards the the back half of their career it's guys who need to either pad stats to their legacy or really have one last opportunity to create a legacy for themselves is this the first ever full team of guys where we we see a, a team that has something to prove because you know may, maybe we've seen this uh in years past but I, I i can't really think of too many groups of guys who have um you know outside of Kawhi, because obviously you know he right. has the championships. He ha he has the accolades. Yes, but I also still think that there's this huge huge expectation once Kawhi went to the Los Angeles Clippers, and he really hasn't done anything you know to write home about since he's been a part of this Clippers team. You look at Kawhi Leonard and John Wall, both 31 years old. Paul George is 32 years old. John Wall, I think, you know, um, the way his season and career is gone you 
people want more from him. Paul George gets clowned at this point of his career because his playoff runs the last few seasons. Do you guys think this is a team? I mean, I, I could keep going. I think Reggie Jackson, Marcus yeah. Morris. Like, I think there's even their bench guys, like, all have something to prove here. They have the talent this year. They're loaded. Everyone thinks they're the best roster. Championship aspirations in mind. Do you guys think we have ourselves a something to prove team? I think there's a lot of guys on this team that have something to prove. I don't know if this team fits the mold for championship or bust for me, just because of how deep, you know, the West is right now, how stacked this entire league is. But I think you brought up a couple big names there. I think Paul George and John Wall, this is a huge, huge year, huge chance, huge moment for them to show, hey, we still have it. We can win a championship together. And I think Kawhi, to your point that he doesn't necessarily have so much to prove, but he hasn't played basketball in a couple of years. Like I said, when Kawhi doesn't play basketball, it's just like the whole basketball internet forgets about how good he is. And if it he really can is. come back and be like prime Kawhi, I think that's just going to open the eyes to all NBA fans everywhere and be like, oh, this team might be special. This team might actually be more than, oh, it's, you know, it's just the Clippers. Like they're going to be all right, but they're really not going to do anything come playoff time i think Kawhi, even though he's probably one who has the least amount to prove i think he's the one who can change all of the nba fans opinions on this team on paul george on john wall just by him being able to play basketball and play it at the elite level we know he's capable of playing at yeah i'm with that what do you got stevie uh Mine is a player. I, it's crazy how many players we have on this team that really isn't brought up. But he's, he's recovering from a fractured foot, but he has been cleared to play. Mm. Norman Powell, no one talks about this guy. He averaged 16 points in a 19-20 and shot 40% from three. The next year, he averaged 19 points, shot 41% from three. And then this previous year, he averaged over 19 points and shot 42% from three. He only played five games with the Clippers last year before the injury, where he's averaging 21 points on 54% shooting from three. I don't think he's going to start. I think he comes off the bench for this team. So it's kind of a two-part question. Number one, can this guy win sixth man of the year? And number two, is he the X factor on this Clippers team that could push them over the edge if he's healthy? Because I know we have Wall. I know we have George. I know we have Kawhi. But Norman Powell is on his way or he's on the track to average over 20 points a game. If he could do, even if coming off the bench, if it goes down a little bit, you give him 18 points a game on 40% three-point shooting. No one talks about this guy. He is a walking bucket that the Clippers don't even need, but they have. Mm. Yeah, Norm, Norm is going to be huge for them this year. Go ahead, Dunny. No, I, I think absolutely, you know, we, we can see a guy like Norman Powell in the six-man conversation. Honestly, you know, the way you're describing it, we'll probably see him used like the Miami Heat have used Tyler Hero the last yeah. couple of years. Mm -hmm. You know, a guy not, you know, maybe they don't trust him all that much down the stretch or – a closeout lineup but they don't need that i mean th this is right. a guy that's important to a championship team during a, a regular season like i'm sure we'll see we've seen Kawhi use load management his entire career i'm sure it'll be no different this year when he's coming back from a two-year hiatus so yeah. a guy like norman powell is going to get utilized a lot for this team i do I, i'm in agreement with you stevie i think he will come off the bench 
yeah, I, I think absolutely. I think Norman Powell should be, will be in the six man conversation. And yeah, the, the, those stats that you pulled right there, I mean, 52% from yeah. three before the injuries. Is, is it's just the guy no one talks about too, which is crazy yeah. because he's been doing it for three years now. It's not like it was just a one year sample size. Just no one no. brings him up. Yep. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's, and the way that Ty Lue want, like Ty Lue loves to have the shooters around his stars. Like we mm-hmm. saw that in Cleveland too. And they have those weapons and Norm is going to be one of the biggest beneficiaries of that. I think. All right, let's get into the uh, other Los Angeles team, the LA Lakers. Um, you guys, what's your, what's your over under here? 30 or no, that, that, that's 45 and a half, which is yeah. What do you got? I'm going under, and I I hate it. I hate it so much because I'm t- almost taking a LeBron on. team under 500. No, I just hate the line where it's at because it feels so low for a LeBron team. But they just didn't really do anything. They didn't change anything. They didn't really fix any of the problems from the previous year. And I think I see so many other teams in the West get better where the Lakers are just kind of staying the same. And as what I said with the Suns, when you stay the same in the way the league is right now, you're you're going to fall off a little bit. You just can't compete at the same level. And it's not like the Lakers were good last year. They were not a good team. But uh, I'm, I'm going under. And I, I hate doing it because I know whenever I fade LeBron, he goes nuts. And I eat my words. But we're going under. Yeah. I'm going under too, and I, I literally feel the same way of what you just said, Stevie. Like I, I know this is gonna come back to bite me. I know I shouldn't, I know I shouldn't doubt LeBron, but I tried to think of all of these in a logical way, right? Mm-hmm. And the way I see it, if the Lakers did improve at all this offseason, it was super, super minimal, man. Like, yes. we're we're hearing reports that Austin Reeves is is going to be the starting shooting guard. For this Los Angeles Lakers, that's that's no Most... knock at him, but I just I don't know how the Lakers take themselves seriously after the off season they had two off seasons ago, where they bring in, you know, everyone had to be over thirty it seemed to play on this Lakers team a season ago. That flamed out, didn't work at all. They really did nothing to kind of attack that problem that they have, other than kind of bringing up bringing in a bunch of nobodies or semi young guys who didn't work out for other teams um and, and they just tried to piece it together and make it work they let a guy like mac mcclung who i thought was their best young talent you know in the organization walk he's he's now a part of the golden state warriors which i thought was a foolish move and now they bring in pat beverly who him and russell westbrook hate each other and yeah. and you yeah, have not, genie bus coming out today oh, and genie. saying oh. And saying that Russell Westbrook was – I forget the exact quote, but she she's like said that Russell Westbrook had a better season last year than LeBron, but then backtracked and said, excuse me, I meant more consistent because he's he played 78 games. Uh, and, and the reason I bring that up is because, like, yeah, sure, everyone's saying, oh, well, they're going to trade Westbrook. They're going to trade Westbrook. I don't think they're going to do that if Jeannie Buss is talking about Russell Westbrook that way. And, of course – it probably boils down to LeBron's decision. But at this point, it doesn't seem like many teams are interested in Westbrook. What are you getting in return other than probably draft picks, which this team does not need? You need to win now with the group that you have 
I don't really think they're in a position to do that. I don't think they're much better, if better at all, from last year. So my logic is with that, I'm going under. So I will say, tell us why we're wrong. Tell us why we're wrong. That you guys said, you you both mentioned that they didn't improve at all. But the biggest improvement that any NBA team could possibly have on this year outside of Kawhi Leonard coming back is a healthy Anthony Davis on the floor. If Anthony Davis goes back to what he did when they won the title, he played 62 games, started 62 games, averaged 26 points, nine rebounds, three assists. If he does that alongside what we saw from LeBron last year, and this is, we think maybe nuts, just LeBron averaged 30 points last year. 30.3 points he ended the season with, averaging last year. And she tried to say that Russ had a better season with him. I don't think that he, I, I don't expect him to score 30 again. And, and he won't want to if AD is healthy. And, you know, sure. we've, the whole AD thing this summer has been hilarious because he got bullied into going to lethal shooter and getting a shooting coach by Twitter <laughs> and whatever else. So who knows where his mindset is at, actually. But if that dude is on the court playing and LeBron is playing to a similar level, like that's still one of the best tandems in the league. And that just screams 46 wins to me, at least. I was so close to picking the under, though, because I think this line is, like, perfect. I think they're going to be, like, a 43, 44, 45, 46 win team around there. I'm not saying that, like, my over for them is not saying they're going to be, you know, this 55 win two seed in the West. I think it's more like a 5, 6, 4, 5, 6 seed where they're mid 40s, high, potentially high 40s, all things go well. I do think. The only rust trade that's out there is like the the buddy healed miles turner type yeah. deal, i think left him. and I, that's never made any sense to me for the pacers either like why the hell would why wow. would they want to make that trade like teams Alan like a lot of teams want him to give up a picks for, to get rid of russ and i don't think that the lakers should do that i don't care if you have lebron james like mortgaging Trading a first-round pick in 2029 when you don't know if you'll have LeBron James or Anthony Davis, even though I've been on this pod saying that I think that the move will be that they just trade Davis when LeBron leaves to try to recoup whatever picks that they've done, still, that's a risky proposition to you know base your team building off of for a guy who's been hurt the last two years. But I'm choosing to be optimistic about injuries tonight. I uh, said it with Wiseman, said it with Kawhi, and I think that just adding a healthy Anthony Davis to the squad will make a world of difference everywhere, defensively, offensively, on all, on all corners and make their job easier. And I'm really interested to see what – I don't know what's going to happen, but Darvin Ham, I think, is going to make a different energy than whatever Frank Vogel was at the end there, like the lame duck that he basically was by the end. Of <laughs> That's Maybe actually true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I, I, I'll honestly count that as an, as an improvement, though, because there was obviously something going on last year with Vogel, and I don't know if it was Westbrook, I don't know if it was LeBron, I don't know who it was, but there was something that wasn't working anymore. It was clearly flaming out. I mean, he was I don't I, th- I don't even know if he was falling on the sword. People were pushing him on the sword <laughs> last year for the blame. So I do think bringing in a guy um, like him, he clearly yeah, seems to have a good relationship with the players. He was a, uh, an ex-player. We saw how well that worked out with uh, Ime Udoka and the Celtics yeah. this year, so I shouldn't say that they haven't improved at all because I do think that alone is an improvement. If you address something like that, that can be huge, especially if he works well with LeBron. I mean, we, you know, we've seen the way those things happen in the past. Um, so, yeah, I should have said that that was an improvement. That's a good point. 
So what's your burning question, Dunny? My burning question is about someone I already brought up. And it's 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 as simple as this, guys. What the hell is going on with Russell Westbrook? Like, what what really are we doing here? And I honestly should have saved the genie comment um, for for this because it's just like you bring in Pat Bev, which fine, you know, you want if you and also people who think that's an upgrade from Russ, if they if they do think they're getting Russ, I think you are crazy. I think you are absolutely insane if you think Pat Bev is an upgrade from Russ. I don't care if Russ shoots it 60 times off the side of the backboard next season. It's not. It, I'm telling you right now, it is not. Everyone, you know, wants to clown Westbrook for whatever reason. You know, bring up X, X amount of highlights, bring up whatever. He's not uh, – Pat Beverly is not better than Russell Westbrook. He, I don't think he ever will be. And I don't think he should take his spot if that's what the Lakers are planning to do here. And I, I honestly am just – I don't know. I, I I am like at a loss for words literally on a podcast. I don't know what to say right now because I have no idea what the Lakers could possibly be thinking. We have LeBron commenting how hype he is, you know, to see what Russ does next year. And then at the same time, everyone thinks that – Westbrook's out the door and this is what really pissed me off and I usually respect this guy's basketball opinions I don't know if you guys saw this Bill Simmons predicted that Russell Westbrook if and once he leaves the Lakers will be out of the league entirely like what are we doing right now with Russell Westbrook league wide aside from the Lakers what the hell is going on with Russell Westbrook you know I love Russell Westbrook. I've always loved Russell Westbrook. I always think he got the most unfair criticism out of any NBA player really in my lifetime. And we're only, you know, two years from when he was putting up ridiculous numbers in his triple-double streak with the Wizards. We're like three, four years from he was – like he's been a great player throughout his career. He's made a lot of bad bad plays. He makes a lot of those highlight reel mistakes, and he's not a great shooter. I was very excited when he, as you remember last year, when he when he went to the Lakers, it's like, oh, he gets to play with LeBron. This is going to be awesome. Like, he's such a hard worker. I think him and LeBron will work. And I, it just didn't really work because LeBron wants to be surrounded with shooters. He, he wants the, the offense to go through him. He wants to be the playmaker. He wants to draw the doubles. He wants to kick it to everyone else. And Westbrook isn't that type of player. He's not a guy who's just going to sit on the wing and shoot threes. He's not someone who really does a lot without the ball in his hands. And so it was just a bad fit. And we could tell that almost a month into the season. And now everyone's harping on Westbrook. Oh, it's Westbrook's fault. It's Westbrook's fault. I think if Westbrook was in a different team, a new environment, a different situation, I think he'd be back to the type of player he was for the Wizards. Now, I don't know if he'll be as good as he was there, but I think we've gotten to a point of the hate and the criticism of Russell Westbrook where it's just completely out of hand. And I'm with you, Donnie, to where I'm almost speechless with some of this. Like, how can people make these claims that Patrick Beverly's a better player, that he'll be out of the league? Russell Westbrook is he's, he's a multi-all-star. He's a superstar for a reason. Maybe he doesn't fit in with this team, and he may be trending down for the rest of his career. But 
if LeBron still has faith in him, I still have faith in him. And maybe they change things up to make it work, or maybe he is going somewhere else. But I'm not giving up on him as a player this year. I just am kind of almost giving up on the fit he has with the Lakers and him and LeBron playing together. Well, did you see the uh, did you see the LeBron kiss of death tweets that somebody yeah. posted together the other day where it was the Kuzma like gonna have a big season? I don't remember yeah. who else it was on there, yeah. but pretty much just like three guys that got traded right after. Um, but I do think he does have I do think he does have belief in Russ and what he's gonna do. But the 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 summer league thing is what worries me more than anything that they didn't they didn't get to hang out together or they didn't hang out together in public. That was just a weird. It's a weird dynamic yeah. there, clearly. Whatever's going on in Lakerland. It's always a weird dynamic, but it's it's something. I'll go with mine with LeBron, and it's kind of similar to the um to the Chris Paul thing and everything, but I think this is more doable. Do you think LeBron is first team all NBA this year? He was third team last year, and that was mostly just because they were eleventh in the West. So if you think that they're gonna be a playoff ish team, do you think that he could be first team NBA? I don't think they're going to be a playoffish team, so I'm going to say no. And it's also, and this is the whole MVP conversation with LeBron too. Why doesn't he win the MVP every year? It's because everyone loves the shiny new object. They love the shiny new toys. LeBron's been doing what LeBron's been doing for 15 years now. We're we're like, oh yeah, LeBron went 30, 12, and eight last night. Like he had an okay game. Like that's just the, gotten to the point where we've gotten to where his expectations, like in order to wow us, he has to do something like ridiculous and if lebron just does what lebron's been doing his whole career i don't think he's gonna get first team because there's so many young players right now that everyone's super super excited about to where they'll just toss lebron a second or a third team and i wouldn't be shocked yeah i just i don't know i i think he's capable for sure but yeah i think i think the fact that there's five spots, you know, that you get to fill, I don't know. And, yeah, and like I said, I, I took the under on the win total. I think I don't think they're going to be nearly as bad as they were last year. But I do, th- <laughs> I hope, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't think they're going to be a top five seed in the West. And I, th- I think that's hard to accomplish that all NBA if you're not in that upper e- echelon uh, category, you know, your team and then individually because obviously – you know, you're kind of reflected by that. So, yeah, I, I think it's possible. I think the numbers will probably be there most of the season, but then it just boils down to, like, what what actually is the product that the Los Angeles Lakers, Lakers give us next season? And the answer to that question, I'm glad that was none of our burning questions because I have no idea. <laughs> well, Donnie, my question's pretty easy for you because it's just a simple over-under Anthony Davis, he played 36 games two years ago. He played 40 games last year. Jake's coming out and saying he's healthy, and Anthony Davis is a I'll believe it when I see a type of player because I could see him play a week and then sit out for a month. Anthony Davis, if he plays 66% of games this year, that would be 53 and a half games. It would be over 53 and a half. He hasn't done that in two seasons. If the Lakers want to be competitive, he probably has to play more than that. If he plays less than that, then I could see a potential of maybe they try to move on for him. So it's another two-parter. You know I love my two-part questions. First off, over under 53 and a half games. That's two-thirds of the game, 66%. And if it's under, if it's over, it doesn't really matter. If it's under, is there a possibility he could be traded at the end of this season or some point during this season? I think it's over. 
I think that we were talking about Wiseman earlier and the compounding issues of the COVID year and everything else. I think that really hit Anthony Davis. I mean, you know, obviously does. they played to the end of the bubble and then he's had issues since that, since the, since really this, the year after the bubble. I mean, and it really had, and he's kind of talked about that himself too. Like I never really had a chance to catch up. My body never really, I never felt good going into that season. And I think with a guy with injury issues like that, having this whole summer, you know, they, they, they're really like, obviously the fullest summer because they didn't make the playoffs at all to kind of recoup and everything I, that's why i'm bullish on it but if 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 he is under i don't think it'll be during the season but yes i do think that they explore um explore that in the off season because but it is a weird spot to be in too because lebron's here for two more years regardless right um but maybe it's a lebron thing too maybe LeBron's like let's get let's and not even like let's get you know ad out of here to the lakers but to ad like let's get you out of los angeles because this is going to be a bad situation in a year like let's do this sooner than later i'm gone after this year kind of like the Kyrie thing like Kyrie, Kyrie saw the saw the writing on the wall forced his way out and went to boston the year ahead of lebron because he knew it was what was coming um i think that might be part of it too yeah i'm gonna I'm feeling optimistic tonight as well. I think AD will play the, you know, that that over total on the games there. And, you know, if for whatever reason they do go under on that on that game total for games played for Davis, I don't I just I, I just don't see them trading them. I don't know especially and you you know why? I think a lot of this offseason and maybe it won't, but I think it might trickle into this season and even deadline moves of just the, the bizarro world we saw with trades this this summer. You know, yeah. starting with the Rudy Gobert deal where I think there was way too many picks involved. That haul was ridiculous for a guy like Gobert. Um, and, and then you have the Kevin Durant deal that just couldn't get done. We, we saw today that um, a deal was offered to the Utah Jazz. R.J. Barrett and two first-rounders for Donovan Mitchell, was a, which is a pretty respectable deal in my opinion. Um, and Danny Ainge and the Utah Jazz said that wasn't nearly enough. So I think like, if Anthony Davis plays under that game total and then you try to trade him, whether it's at the deadline or in the offseason, what the hell is the package for Anthony Davis? If we, if we see Gobert go for that, and then we can't get a deal done for Kevin Durant. It's like, well, I don't even know where the threshold is for trades anymore in the NBA. So that's, I think that's the biggest reason Davis isn't getting traded. I don't think a deal would even be able to get done. I, I think that's a good point. I think the Gobert deal was so outrageous to us that it really kind of set the standard where other teams are like, well, if you're getting that for Gobert, I should be able to get this much more for so-and-so. And right. the only reason I brought up the trade is that I could see maybe if the Lakers were struggling at the start of the year, maybe the chemistry just wasn't working on the team. Davis was playing a little bit here and there, but you know he would have a couple week stretches where he was out i could almost see lebron like jake said not necessarily doing him a favor but like hey get out of here before it gets bad and almost try to trade him for a contender that is that would you know take a guy where davis maybe could rest up the rest of the regular season and play a limited role come playoffs that's the only reason i bring it up because if the lakers are getting a limited season out of anthony davis I don't think they're a playoff team. And if that's the case, why wouldn't someone say, hey, we'll take a limited Anthony Davis. Maybe you won't pay the full premium you would for an Anthony Davis trade, but you'd be able to get a guy who could 
absolutely help you in the playoff race. Mm. Imagine we saw like a an AD to the Denver Nuggets to play alongside Jokic or something like that. AD <laughs> to the Grizzlies, man. The AD oh, to the Grizzlies would oh, be yeah, fun. That would be nice. That'd be scary, dude. I don't even yeah. want to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's finish up with the Sacramento Kings. Saving the best for last. Saving the best for last. Win total 33 and a half. I'm feeling optimistic tonight. The Sacramento Kings are going to win 41 games this year. Oh, 500 team. 500. I've been saying this about the Kings for, I shit you not, six years. Like, every year, (laughs) yo, the Kings, this is the year, baby. Making the playoffs. Um, I don't know about all that. I can attest to that. At least at least the last three years, I can attest to that. I've, I've always had a soft spot for him. Uh, you want to know what it is? I think it's because in 2K, I'll just play as the Kings when there's a team that I want to take over and try to make better because you can always count on the Kings to be to be your rebuilding project. But, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm still a believer in De'Aaron Fox. That's really what it comes down to. What do you guys have? I'm going over. Um, I think 33 and a half is really low. I think the Kings, they, they, they had a lot of issues last year. I liked the Sabonis deal. I didn't like trading away Halliburton yeah, at, at all, but I think Sabonis was that type of big man they really needed. And Sabonis played very well once he was traded to the Kings. Yeah, I like their guards. We'll bring the other one up later. I love De'Aaron Fox and I love Davion Mitchell. You guys know this from all the college basketball talk. I'll talk about him more later. But I think the Kings are, you know, trending in the right direction. I think they're going to improve. The problem is there are some other teams that are improving that are already better than them improving a little quicker but in terms of the direction the kings are going this is the first time in a while where i kind of like the direction what it will amount to i'm not so sure but i think it'll get over 33 and a half wins i i I don't know if they'll get to 500 jake but i think they're going to be high 30s right around there yeah so i I went under here the kings man like jake said like it's it must be tough having those thoughts at the beginning of every season. It's not like you have anything invested in them, but then just seeing just seeing them flop, dude. Like it's this so, is just so what mad. the Kings do. Like they just they literally stay as far as possible away from the NBA playoffs. They <laughs> like I don't even think they know what that means in Sacramento. Yeah. They it, it's it is it when you look at the statistics and, and how long their drought has been, it's it's honestly mind-boggling. Um, it it does pain me a little bit to take this under because they do have a ton of players that I like. Steve, I'm with you, man. Like I I really like Sabonis. I think he's a good fit for this team. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think it was a boneheaded move getting rid of Halliburton. I think yeah. he would have been the best player on this squad. Um, you know, even if Sabonis and him were on this team together. Um, yeah. But. Yeah, I mean, I like Herder. I like Malik Monk. I, I, I've always been a Harrison Barnes guy. Stevie, I like Davion Mitchell. He's your guy. Uh, I think Fox flamed out. I thought Darren Fox was going to be a lot better in this league than he's shown so far. You know, still has a chance to prove himself. But this team is full of, of likable, talented guys. And, you know, let's not forget about Keegan Murray, who is true. is probably going to be an absolute stud for this team. And he um, – right. He, you know, he showed out in the in the limited game time that we saw this summer. Um, so it, it pains me a little bit to take the under. I just, 
I'm going with history, man. Like this, this is the Kings. Stevie, you mentioned how much better the West is going to be this year. Mm-hmm. There's only so many teams that can eat and grab those wins. I, I think 33 and a half is way too high. And my last point here, Jake, remember what the Cavs line was last year? I think it was like 32 and a half. And yeah. we, to- we told I think Al- it was even lower. I think it was like 29 and a half. I think it was something crazy. Right. Like- yeah. It- it's yeah. somewhere right around here, and yeah. we we were saying smash that right, like mm-hmm. around thirty wins. I felt way more comfortable about the Cavs roster that they had going into last year than I do about this team. Um, and I, I saw that it was around the same of when we made that decision last year. And I I just can't, I can't do it. I can't get myself to say over. I mean, as much as I say over and want to be optimistic, I could also see them being like the worst team in the league this year. Like it's right. all falling apart and yeah. their worst record. There's really no in between. And that's the thing about the Cavs, at least. Like there was a bet on the culture. Like you saw what they were trying to build, like like the steps that they were making, whatever else. There's no culture in, in Sacramento to speak right. of at all. There's nothing you can like point to like that's Sacramento Kings basketball except missing the playoffs right now at this point which is really <laughs> sad to say but I mean it is like how many years is it now I think is it 16 years is it are we in Bill's territory it's something crazy yeah, like, yeah. They've, it's they've, in the team yeah. and once you get to that point it's so hard to just get over that hump like and that's 16 seasons I just I just fact check that <laughs> I mean it's, <laughs> it's brutal man that's tough it's tough times so and, and even I think even when they made it 16 years ago, they got like bounced right away too. Like it's been about a good 20 years since they were an actual contending like team in the in yeah, the Western that, Conference at all. They were bouncing this in the first round in six games by the Spurs. In oh, okay, six season. Okay, six games. There first we go. First round though. <laughs> hey, that's probably a one eight. Oh five. Yeah, probably Spurs, a, that, probably yeah. one and eight seed if I had to guess. Yeah, it's respectable. I mean, I would be – I know you said they could finish as the worst record in the NBA. I'd be more surprised if they were close to that than close to two fighting for the 10th seed in the West. Because there are a lot of promising guys on this team I like a lot. I love Sabonis. You guys know I love my college basketball. Keegan Murray, he may not have the long-term potential of some of these guys, but he's – by far of this rookie class, the most pro-ready prospect. He showed oh, yeah. that at Iowa. He's by far, and he's going to have a role where I wouldn't be surprised if, A, he's in the starting lineup from day one, and B, if he's the guy who's just going to get 35-plus minutes a night because he can handle that. He knows how to play defense. He can play – like, he he can he's just a well-rounded, good basketball player who's NBA-ready. He And that's what everyone's saying with, about his scouting report. The reason he went higher than, I guess, some people expected is because he is the most ready prospect. And then you guys know I love Davion Mitchell. I absolutely loved this guy at Baylor because he is a smaller guard, but he's a great, great on-ball defender. And you really don't see that too much for smaller guards. I think he's an elite on-ball defender. And when Tyrese Halliburton was traded, after he was traded, it's not like Mitchell was thrown into the starting lineup. He was still coming off the bench, but he would get a lot of end game run. He did a lot of those important minutes and he was averaging over 15 points and right around seven assists per game in a, you know, not a starter's role. I think Davion Mitchell is someone who I think they're going to trust a lot more this year because 
And I know it was a blasphemous move to trade away Halliburton. I, I, you know, we all love Halliburton on this podcast. We didn't agree with it. But in my head, I have to think somewhat logically here with the Kings would only make that move if there was another guard they could trust. And I think that's what Davion Mitchell showed them. And they're like, we have to pull the trigger now if we want to get a big like Sabonis. I think Davion Mitchell's in for a big year where he can be a consistent starter in this league and he can be a guy who can average 18, 19, maybe 20 points a game and eight assists. And that actually goes into my burning question to you guys. I know we don't like the um, the Kings trading away Halliburton, but do you think Davion Mitchell can turn into that guard that the Kings are hoping for, who can be, you know, a point guard who can average almost close to double digits assists, who will play great on ball defense, who will be, I'm not going to say he's anywhere near the type of player Chris Paul is, but play the type of game that Chris Paul plays where he'll take his outside shots. He's not going to shoot 20 times a night, but he'll play great defense. He'll shoot the three. He'll be a great facilitator on the offense. And will that somewhat cover up, that they traded away Halliburton because if Davion Mitchell turns into a guy who averages 20 and eight this year, there's not going to be too much backlash of, Hey, you got rid of Halliburton. Go ahead, yeah. I, no, I like, I love all the names that you actually just brought up there because it ties perfectly into my burning question for you guys. And that is because it has to do with the Phoenix suns has to do with CP three. When I was looking at this uh, division this morning and I was trying to think of my questions for every team, obviously my question for the Suns for you guys is like, what does the future look like? You know, CP3 is on his way out of the league pretty soon. Um, you know, they kind of need answers as far as a point guard down the road. You mentioned that Davion's probably the point guard of the future for this team. And I thought it was kind of silly when they drafted Davion Mitchell, when they had De'Aaron Fox. Um they had Halliburton as well. Obviously, they got rid of him. I think it's time this group gets rid of De'Aaron Fox. I think when the time comes when CP is out the door in Phoenix, I think De'Aaron Fox should try to reignite his NBA career. I think the Kings should send him to the Phoenix Suns. I don't know what the package is going to look like because this yeah. could be a few years down the line. This could be next season. This could be the deadline. I have no idea. But I was thinking maybe Davion to the Suns, but I think it would make a lot more sense if it was De'Aaron Fox. I just his time with the Kings, you know, outside his first second year, it's it's really been kind of toxic. Like they they just haven't been good. Obviously, sixteen season drought. Um, he, you know the talent's there. Yeah. De'Aaron Fox is one of the fastest players in the league. He's a good playmaker when he's on. Um, he's struggled immensely with his outside shot the last couple of years. I don't really know what that's about because I don't think he's a bad shooter. Um, it was never yeah, one I, of his strengths, though. He was not. It was never one of his strengths. Was right. three point shooting, and I think yeah. we just kind of expected he would get better at it, and he's just kind of been, you know, level with it. There's been really not that much improvement. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, there's obviously the drama between Fox and Marvin Bagley's yeah. fathers on Twitter. Like, I think Fox just needs. You know, I think Fox's NBA career is going to die in Sacramento if he doesn't get out. So, yeah. you know, where, where I think it would be – I think yeah. this would be a good thing for both parties. Like, I think Fox should want to get out. I think Phoenix, it's a, it's probably not too pricey of a guy to go after. You know, when yeah. they move on from CP, I think it kind of makes sense playing alongside guys like Aiton and Booker. Um, I, I want to get your guys' thoughts on that. 
Um, I, yeah, I, I think that it's been one of the things about the Kings that like has been a mess is just the inconsistency with the, obviously with the regime changes and everything else. I think that's how you get a Halliburton getting traded, how you get them picking Mitchell after having three guards. Like it's just guys that different tastes, different strokes, different, you know, all that stuff. I, I would love to free Jaren Fox. I, I mean, it's, I feel bad. I feel for the guy. Obviously he's got the max contract, everything he's, he's probably doing, doing okay. He's probably, he's probably not feeling too bad about it, but I don't think that they've ever really done enough to build around him as the superstar talent that he could be um, properly. I think I like the idea of him and Sabonis together as like a pick and roll threat and everything that Sabonis can do, but it's still the just fox like and the bull or the fox and the ox. <laughs> yeah. But it's still not like the way teams are building themselves either. Right. Like it's not like we're getting traditional big, big point guards, you know, like together as much as anymore. It's more, you know, positionless basketball and everything else. I don't think they can do that at all. And so, yeah, I'd rather just see Mitchell with Sabonis and Fox go somewhere else. Honestly, um, it's going to, they're going to try it out though. I think that they, Fox really was turning it on at the end of last year. Like it looked like the game really slowed down for him going in at the end of last season. So I'm really excited to see what he does. It's, it's always fun to see the mess of the Sacramento Kings in those late game league pass things, but it was a treat to see Fox at the end of the year. So yeah, it really is. But hopefully, this is yeah. it. This is what it is. What do you think, CB? Well, I mean, you you brought it up perfectly, Dick. I have a soft spot for the Kings because I watch in all the late night NBA League Pass games because they're always on it. The Kings are fun to watch, and De'Aaron Fox not not only D Davion Mitchell played better after Halliburton trade, but De'Aaron Fox did as well. And I think a lot of that was having Sabonis on the team. He really helped these guards. But the big thing with De'Aaron. Aaron Fox for me, and he will show spurts. He will show flashes of greatness. Well, I'll watch a game and I'll be like, wow, he is taking this gold game over. This guy's a superstar. And then he'll just disappear for a couple games. And I think much like maybe Donovan Mitchell, maybe a couple other guys in this league that aren't comfortable being the go-to star every single night to where it may actually help De'Aaron Fox a lot if he is to go to a team like the Suns and have a Devin Booker where Devin Booker's the 1A and he'll be the 1B. Even though Booker, we I think all agree, is a better player than De'Aaron Fox, but De'Aaron Fox can have those games where he'll score in the high 30s. Will he have a 35.12 assist game with like five steals? It's like a game that's just just jumping off the page on the box score. But he's not going to do that consistently because I just don't think he's that guy that can do that in a night-in, night-out basis. So I think a trade would help him. It would also tie in perfectly with me you know, realizing that the Kings are trusting Davion Mitchell more, that they want him to be the point guard of the future, that you kind of saw flashes of that at the end of the year where he's getting more role, where he's getting those late game important minutes, even if he is coming off the bench to start the game. So I, I think we can see the Kings maybe work a little bit this year with both Fox and Mitchell. But I think it would be best for Fox's career. It doesn't have to be this year. It doesn't even have to be next year. But if he does go to a different team where he's not solely relied on as the go-to guy. And I think when we saw Sabonis have some of his big games for the Kings, it took a lot of the pressure off Fox. And he needs a team or a player that he can rely on where it is a 1A, 1B situation. And it's not these previous couple of years with De'Aaron Fox, the reason he gets a lot of criticism it was his teams. It was De'Aaron Fox. And then if Harrison Barnes had a big game or if Rashawn Holmes went nuts for some reason, 
he needs to be in a situation where it's not supposed to be the De'Aaron Fox show every single night. I'm with that. Um, you want to go with your question, Stevie? Well, my question was the Davion Mitchell. Oh, and, right, and right. It was, do you think he can become the, the starting point guard and the future point guard for this Kings team? And the way you guys talked about it kind of has us all going in the direction that I think this is what the Kings want to go with and that he probably can be. You know I love Davion Mitchell. I've loved him since Baylor. I think he was the steal of the draft. I know he's a smaller point guard, but like I said, I compared him similar to Chris Paul, not the talent of Chris Paul, but just the way he plays the game, the way he approaches both offense and defense. But I want to hear your guys' opinion. Am I too high on Davion Mitchell, or is this a legitimate chance of him being the point guard of the future for the Kings? I, I don't think you're too high on him. I, I don't know. You know, I don't know exactly what his ceiling would be, but I think, you know, as as much as we can question the decisions of the Sacramento Kings for the last 16 seasons, I think I'd like to think there's still, you know, an NBA organization who who knows a little bit about what they're doing. Um, I I agree that I think it was a steal in that draft to land a guy like him. Um, I think just at the time it looked a little weird with the the grouping right. of players they had, but like I said, I. I think Fox's days in Sacramento are numbered. I think Mitchell for sure is going to be the point guard of the future here. I just, um, I don't know what that looks like. Like is the team itself really any better with him having the keys than they were with De'Aaron Fox? Obviously the team around this, the, these two point guards is much better than it was in the years mm-hmm. past now. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think, I think that's totally doable. And I think that's probably how it's going to shake out. Yeah, I I couldn't have said it better. I think that he's I think he has all the tools. I think that and the, the work ethic clearly like that you hear rave things about yeah. him and that's that, why they fell in love with him and everything. He's perfect for what you want to do in the league at the guard position right now. So yeah, I'm super high on it. We're all we're all on we're all on board now. We're all on Davion Mitchell Island with you, Stevie. Don't worry. That's the that's how we're gonna support you here. But I'm, <laughs> I am I really am really am bullish on it. All right, boys. Well, that was the Pacific Division. That's a yeah. that's a loaded division. That's that a, there's a lot going on there. So that was a blast. Follow us at Happy Hour Hoops One. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast, YouTube. Um, subscribe there as well. For myself, Jake, Micah, my at my friends here, Dunny, Stevie. Have a great night, folks. Stay hydrated. Uh, next week, Atlantic Division. Just a uh, just a couple teams that are of interest in that division going into the year. Just a uh, just a few. Just a few. Just a just a Donnie doesn't care too much about that division. Donnie doesn't care about I don't that division. We haven't talked about it literally. Week. We haven't talked about it literally all summer long, one of the teams in that division. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's it, it, it'll be casual. So join us next week for those. Uh have a great night, folks. Later, guys.